This is Kenny B and this is the second episode of the Black Content Corner here on the Too Smart Network. I'm here with my producer Q and we're here to talk about some black content. So before we dive into the fun stuff, I wanted to first address a topic that's trending right now regarding all the protests and Black Lives Matter. So right now we're seeing a debate on defunding the police versus police abolition. So I wanted to give some definitions and talk about it a little bit more. So hopefully we can give some folks out there a little clarification on what these um, these mean. So defunding the police, I got this definition off of Vox from Brian Highsmith. It is a call for significant permanent reductions to existing policing and carceral infrastructures. So on the police abolition side, I got this from Twitter from an organization called MPD underscore 150, and I believe they're based out of Minneapolis. So police police abolition is a gradual process of strategically reallocating resources, funding, and responsibility away from police and toward community-based models of safety, support, and prevention. Now, I do want to say that both involve decreasing the police department's budget and investing in the community but with abolition the police department is fully disbanded and what you're what we want and what we're asking for because i do believe in police abolition is that you have the appropriate professionals handling situations so we all know that with the police they always cry that they're scared they're armed to the t sometimes and when they and they're under trained. So when you have these, maybe a domestic situation or um, an individual that has mental health issues, we wanna have the appropriate professional to come in and deescalate. So um, we don't have situations where we have black people being killed for no reason. And I know that um, people want to understand a little bit more why I believe in abolition because last week i mentioned that i also believe in jail abolition so i believe in that because our current carceral and police system as it stands today does not work um crime hasn't ended at all if if jail was doing what it's supposed to do and the police were doing what they um were supposed to do we wouldn't see crime at all but we don't so I think one of the issues is like the carceral system in America, like we only focus on being punitive and not actually getting to the root of why some of these things happen. So I think reallocating funds to programs that affect our communities will allow people to um, have the ability to meet their needs and not have to resort to maybe stealing or um, committing other crimes. So I know that one of the main questions is, well, what about like murders and child molesters? And luckily there are actually, there's information out there that addresses that. But um, I know that BLM Chicago just recently released an infograph addressing this. And I believe it's probably more so for um, their area, but I do want to say that 
if you go to their social media platform they'll um, be able to address that and one of the things I would say is that murders are like a low percentage of crime um, a lot of rapists and people that are child molesters I would say they um, that a lot of those crimes happen within the prison system and there are times where um, as you know within the Me Too movement a lot of people don't even speak up because they're scared of the backlash that the victims get so we're not even appropriately addressing those crimes within the system that we have now. So I really hope that clears things up for everybody. Um, I do want to take the opportunity when new language comes about that we can address it and explain it in a clear way. So now we're going to go off to the more so still current but not as heavy as uh, politics. So council culture. I feel like that it was going away for a little bit but in recent weeks a lot of people have been putting their foot in their mouth so um so many people in atlanta have been um saying dumb stuff that i'm just gonna say that atlanta as a whole is on its way to getting canceled um i think when ti <laughs> referred to the city as wakanda i think that put a target on them and once the, the protests happened and some stores got destroyed, we saw Shekinah crying. T.I., you know, and Killer Mike kind of changed their views about having a revolution. They became mighty peaceful all of a sudden. I think Lori Harvey was sad about her friend's store getting um, destroyed, but comes to find out that that was insurance fraud. So Atlanta get it together guys we know that y'all are considered the black mecca and i think what what uh, what came out was that there's like this kind of elite thinking that they have around atlanta but you know let's just be a little more humble please and know that because y'all ain't the only black mecca right because i will say and i don't have any information to back it up but i would like to put philadelphia in the running for black mecca because you know we out here we are super afrocentric and um all about community up here so be on the lookout maybe I mean, but you could throw in you could throw in memphis you could throw in houston memphis baltimore dc i will go with houston because houston's huge memphis mm -hmm. i love memphis that's home but we small <laughs> we super small true <laughs> compared true. to them but and DC is getting gentrified like crazy. So what about Jacksonville? A lot of black people in Jacksonville. Florida. Yes, a lot. But we don't we don't want the we don't want Wakanda to be in Florida. <laughs> Say you know what I mean. I think we should just agree on a new Wakanda wherever we want it to be. You know what I mean. So I've heard Mississippi being tossed out there. Mississippi. Not if we don't have to. Mm mm. Maybe, would, maybe we'll take down New Orleans. Oh, I don't know. I love New Orleans. I love New Orleans. But if I had to pick just off top, it would be between Houston and Philadelphia for sure. It's just because they just offer so much. They both do. But speaking of that's Florida, fair. I want to move on to the next person that's getting canceled. And this hurts my heart because I didn't expect this. And it's very interesting. So Trina, the baddest bitch, put her foot in her mouth. And I'm very confused because if you look at her Instagram, 
she was posting all like the Black Lives Matter and you know trying to support like black businesses and stuff like that. So you know when she referred to protesters as animals and saying that she was good because she has her license and re- registration, I don't. I guess there's a, a when it comes to black people and they're thinking maybe we we can get to a certain point and then there's like a fork in the road where we can go to like really learning our history and learning about how we're treated in America and then the other option is just being ignorant so I think maybe she took the ignorant route I'm very sad and I to me she just proves Kaya right and I don't like Kaya and so that just gives Kaya the room to continue to talk about her the way she does I don't like that but I hope Trina is able to keep a job. I'm pretty sure whenever they start filming Love and Hip Hop Miami, that will be a storyline. And then she can be like super apologetic and do like a bunch of community service on the next season. So the last person that I wanted to talk about was actually Kanye West. So someone sent me, it's like a meme and a status saying, it basically said that Kanye's like MAGA phase in his, love for Republicans was an act and that he was doing it just so that Kim Kardashian could get the the meeting with Trump in the uh, White House and we also do know that he set up a college fund for George Floyd's daughter and I also saw a video of him marching in Chicago with the um, protesters and me personally he's always going to be on my canceled list i am not extending any grace to him i think he's very loud when it came to supporting trump and very loud when it came to saying how we should be appreciative of republicans and what they've done for us and he always pulls those stunts when he's in a white space Because he didn't do that when he was in Atlanta. And he didn't pull that when he was at Howard. So I feel like he knows what he's doing. I do not care if he was. uh, If he did donate. We appreciate it. Are we glad that that George Floyd's daughter is set? But as for me in my home. Kanye ain't going to be up in here. How do you feel about that? I mean. So here's the thing. Like. I think cancel culture is extreme. Uh, I think it's toxic. Uh, when it comes to Kanye, Kanye, uh, did, did I pronounce that right? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, I don't agree with him politically. I, don't, I mean, but you know what? Like, I don't think that that's enough to cancel somebody. Now, if he came out and it came out that he voted for Trump in 2020, uh, we got problems. And then, then I do agree that cancellation because you know this this is more than just democrat republican this is like survival at this point mm-hmm. um and so while kanye is definitely teetering the line of whether or not i would cancel his ass and never listen to his music again um i i can't do it just based off of differing political views but with that said 2020 he votes for trump yeah him kim kardashian all of them cancel them all I will say when it comes to politics, I really don't listen to celebrities because I always have a feeling that they're not even registered. So that like I, he's probably not even registered to vote. So 
Putting that part doesn't matter. When he said that slavery was a choice, that was the end for me. That's all it takes. I mean, now that's fair. That's definitely <laughs> fair. So, um, I know that people still fawn over Kanye because he has given us um, great music in the past. I just can't do it. But, moving along. You know what? Mm-hmm. I will say, maybe that's a double standard in me because uh, I remember a few years ago when I... I uh, got a record player uh, my my ex-girlfriend at the time was just trying to uh <laughs> like give me records and she she got me ted nugent for some reason and if anybody knows ted nugent he's like this 70s or 80s rock star which i was already baffled by and then he's like this super like right-wing racist ass trump loving pundit and i immediately snapped that over my knee <laughs> so you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm selective I, with who I cancel. Well, I mean, people aren't hanging on to Kanye for no reason. I mean, he was the one that got on TV and said that George Bush hates black people. You know, he's been super, you know, pro-black in the past. And he has evolved in, well, not a good way. But he has influenced the culture heavily, especially when he first came out. And... You know, Early 2000s is all Kanye. Yeah, so, I mean, the polo shirts and the backpacks, you know what I'm saying? So, I know it's painful for a lot of you all, um, but you'll be in my prayers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to move along to TV. And what I'm excited to talk about, Insecure. We're almost to the end. Episode 9, low-key <laughs> trying. And the only person trying was Issa. So, <laughs> last week, I know I said that I wasn't sure if Issa and Lawrence, I didn't know how I felt about them. It lo- They look good. The chemistry's there. They're both awkward and can, you know, they have their own jokes. It just looks good. But as soon as I saw what the first 30 minutes, I mean 30 seconds to a minute of the show of them, their day-to-day They've been eating together, sleeping, having sex all over the couch, doing work side by side. And when I saw it, I was like, no, my gut says no, I don't want it. And I think it's because, um, as we talk about, we'll talk about it later in the episode, the fact that Lawrence is basically going to go to San Francisco. And if he wasn't, if he was going to stay in L.A., then I'd be for it. But with him... Um, transitioning or possibly transitioning to another city that's not close to Los Angeles I'm a no but there's one thing I did kind of notice which I'm and I feel like it is the couch I feel like the couch is symbolic to them because if you remember the first season you know the big deal was getting rid of the couch and they went couch shopping and I'm assuming the new couch that they bought season one is the couch that Lawrence has in his home because she said that it looked great or something in that last episode so I don't know what this means I don't know where the couch is going but whenever we see a couch it's with Issa and Lawrence but with the in the next scene we have Molly wasting her money at the therapist and it's obvious that she wants an apology from anybody that wrongs her she doesn't see um, her part in anything and it's very frustrating 
one um and the the therapist she really hit me in my in my chest when she told molly or she asked molly do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship and i think that went for um isa and i think it should apply to andrew as well so molly just basically said no i i, I want an apology and then when the therapist asked her if she ready to let that friendship go with Issa, she said, no, Issa's my best friend. The therapist follows up, do you want to put the work in? As we see, she doesn't. But when we um, Issa calls Molly, they set up a meeting. We're at a diner. Molly really wrecked my nerves. First, I want to mention that Issa ordered Molly a mimosa, a light-skinned mimosa. I want to take it back to the last episode with Loki Happy with um, um, Lawrence ordering Issa's drink and Issa saying that she's changed. She has a new drink. If we um, speed it up to this episode when Issa asks, Molly if her drink is still the same and Molly says yes I don't know if I'm trying to be too deep but I feel like that was um that signified that Molly hasn't truly changed and I feel like at first I want to say that Molly has changed personally but I don't believe that anymore based off this episode but they um Molly wasn't talking she was looking in the menu Issa, you know, was trying to ask those superficial questions, you know, to try to get the conversation going. And it never goes into anything. And that really frustrated me. Especially when Molly... Well, mm-hmm. I mean, because, like, like you said, I, I think Molly is mad childish. Like, very... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but very childish and selfish, self-centered. Um you know, and we all know people. We all know Molly. We all, we all know Issa. We all know a Lawrence. Hell, I was a Lawrence. Uh, you know, but I th- I think that the entire insecure show is just like the reason it's great is because it's something we can all relate to a different path. You know, parts of our life. And Molly and Issa are like, you know, you just you just outgrow people at some point especially in your 20s like people that you rock with in your early 20s you don't really rock with in your late 20s or your 30s like it's it's a transition time and i think that's what the show is trying to get to to be honest i'm not ready for that well i'll say at this point of the show i wasn't ready <laughs> i have my feelings have changed but i feel like Issa also she with her paying I think that, you know, was a sign to show that she's changing. And honestly, I think they both approach conflict differently. Whereas, I I would say Molly is direct. But I feel like if she truly was direct about it, she would have said something. Whereas Issa just avoids conflict altogether. And that's kind of how I'm a mix. I can be direct. If you if I'm mad enough, I'll be direct. But for the most part, I avoid conflict as well. I really don't. I mean, not to my horn, but I think I'm a very likable person. So I don't really have. To, I don't deal with conflict that much because I just get along with everybody. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's that's like 
like I said, it's, 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 as you start to get older, you really just see the stuff that you do and don't have time for. Yeah. And I, I legitimately mean, like, think about it. Like, all right, have you ever been one at any character in the show at your point at any point in your life? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm Issa. I'm real awkward. So that's just yeah. who I identify well. with. I mean, for the sake of the show, though, I'm like, I feel like a lot of men, especially, you know, men that are of a certain age in our 30s, like, we can identify with Lawrence's character, like, remembering that, like, I remember when I was, while I was living in Memphis, I was dating a girl, like, and just kind of, like, existing, you know, I wasn't really contributing much, I, everyone knew I had potential, but, like, I was just kind of messing around, and, you know, and, and, you know, I finally have gotten to the point to where, like, it's like, oh, I see the potential in this dude now. Like, it's just different type, t- a different time of life. And like, Lawrence is getting his shine. I'm pretty sure, like you say, he's gonna take this job in San Francisco. And I, I really think we're getting to the point of the show to where like you're gonna start to see people leave because this has been such a, 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 um, a ground for, uh, you, you know, it's been a groundbreaking show for so many writers, so many actors. You know, Lawrence is moving on to your, or, you know, Jay Ellis is doing Top Gun. Um, Natasha Rothwell is getting a uh, she got a show lit on greenlit on Netflix Issa's obviously everywhere um, Yvonne Orji is doing her stand up that's available on HBO uh, which I thought was pretty funny I haven't seen it yet to be honest uh, but where do you think the show goes like so like let's talk let's talk a little bit more about the show like is there anything that the, like what are you expecting in this season finale I don't know cause I Something happens because Issa had mentioned flowers, buying funeral flowers. So I know something happens. I I think one thing I want to mention, Nathan said that he wanted Issa in his life. So is Issa going to try to maintain a platonic, in quotation marks, relationship with Nathan? That ain't going to work. Look, I'm team Nathan, just to be real honest. <laughs> See, that's that team light skin in you. I don't, I don't know why you, you know. I'm for it. Ooh, that's what sounds. I'm going to say I'm for everybody. That's what's going to sound really bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Team light skin. I, know, I see how you are. Y'all stick together. Uh, you saying y'all like you not over there <laughs> the same color as me. <laughs> <laughs> well technically i have a tan on my face so on like right now i'm like caramel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm brown skin right now burnt in the face. peanut butter every, every the rest of my body is still on casper mode but i do want to address molly and andrew because i do think that relationship is not gonna last um i noticed that andrew is bilingual and we've all they they show him talking on the phone to somebody in another language, and then when Molly comes in, he switches to English and then hops off the phone. So that makes me feel like um, that he has not let that wall down. And Molly is also just self-destructive. So I don't think that's going to last. Do you think that Molly should have went to the basketball game? Yes. Um, another reason why I'm just like, you know, the pettiness and the selfishness is like, look, 
Like, if you're not going to give the dude a chance to, you know, extend his arm because it, you're going to be in his life at some capacity because you're dating his brother. Um, so, yes, I do think she should have attended. I agree. But I will say, depending on the, the time from that vacation to the basketball game, I think I'm okay with Molly not wanting to go. And I also think a basketball game is not a way to resolve conflict. Maybe if they were going to have drinks, I guess, somewhere else. Um, so I'm 50-50 on that. But she does ha- I'm sure it was like dinner first and then, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? A chance to talk and then a fun event where you don't have to like just focus on that. Or it's not tense. Everybody's there to have fun. But at the same time, uh, Molly is not in a place. She doesn't understand. She wants to hold a grudge, basically. She wants to hold this grudge. And I don't understand how she doesn't see that she's going to have to have a relationship with Andrew's brother. Because they seem close. But, hey. And then we'll fast forward to the end of the episode. Because that's another um, high point. We have a, a mistake. Hold on. Before you go there, I don't know if this is what you were going to say, but did you talk about Andrew and because I noticed this and I I wasn't sure if anyone else noticed that like last couple episodes, I noticed that Andrew like is speaking um, some type of I don't know if it's Mandarin. Mm -hmm. I don't don't know what the actual, you know, language is, but um, he's clearly speaking another language. And once Molly comes in the door two episodes in a row now, he hangs up the phone. And is like, oh, all right, I got to go. So I don't know if he's like, I don't know if the full story of, it's hard to figure out. Clearly, I don't think he's told somebody about Molly or everything about Molly. I don't know if it's parents, sister, or somebody. I feel like because another instance where he kind of shuts Molly out is the sister. Because he said he wasn't comfortable talking about that um, in the initial, in the episode where she told him that he didn't open up. And then the episode with the vacation, um, the sister-in-law brought the sister up, but they never really went into it. So he definitely, there's a lot that Andrew has not shared with Molly. And I think she's just so stuck on keeping it going. Like, I think she's... She wants to be in this relationship so so bad because she doesn't want to seem like a failure. That the stuff that she was such a stickler on before, she's like kind of just forgot about that and just wants to be in the relationship in the relationship to say that she's in a relationship. Yeah, I mean, and that's fair, right? It's like because she she it's it's like the glass glass houses thing like she's so focused on Issa and everything Issa's doing wrong that like yeah she she's not even seeing what's under her nose and how she's kind of self-sabotaging her own like relationship that she supposedly is ending her friendship for right that it, it just blows my mind the her thought process but i want when they're Molly and, and Andrew like me argument when Nathan and Issa come in because she's helping him move. And I don't want to forget to mention that Nathan did share that he has a bipolar disorder. He shared that with Issa and, and that's the reason why he kind of took a break from her. Um, he felt some type of way about Issa being with Lawrence now, which I think he has no right to. 
you're an adult, you could have reached out to Issa and let her know what was going on if you truly cared about her. I know that's a big deal and I kind of feel like because I've never had that experience, maybe it seems a little unfair. But I do think he could have at least reached out and let her know that he needed space. Um, but while they're at Andrew's house, you know, everything is still kind of superficial. Um, they're, Molly and Issa are reminiscing about Issa's old apartment. And they're about to play a drinking game. And Issa, not Issa, Molly texts Issa thinking it's Andrew saying that she was trying with Issa. And that hurts her feelings. So Issa is heading out the door and now this is where I've kind of felt like you said that people are in our people are in our lives for a season and that people grow apart. Molly did mention she said maybe who you are now and who I am now don't fit. I feel like that was a premature statement. And for her to say that, that to me was like, okay, in the friendship. And the fact that Molly was surprised that Issa said okay, it, to me she looked like she was offended. And I'm like, why are you offended? Like, she, to me she genuinely wants Issa to beg for this friendship. Right. And to me, I say, in the friendship. This can't go on right. no more. So, adios to Molly. I don't know how this yeah. will work with Kelly and Tiffany. Um, I know that, I don't know if, I feel like they're going to um, develop Tiffany's storyline. Because she clearly has um, postpartum depression that with her just having a baby. So maybe yep. we'll go into that season five. I do think season five may be the last season. If not season six. I, I I tend to agree, or I think that they're going to bring in just new characters, like some someone else is going to pop up. I because I, I do like I said, it, they're they're at the point of the show now where every, like all the main characters are getting big, as far as um, their careers. So I definitely think that that soon the show will either end or be introduced to new characters. And speaking of Tiffany, because. In this space, we talked about cancel culture. Also, in this episode, want to uplift people that have been doing, doing a lot for the community. So, the first person that's in actually in Insecure, actually two people. So, we talk about Amanda Seals. I know she's very polarizing and intense, but she is a very good voice for the community as far as expressing like the history. Um, how we feel. I think she does a great job of doing that. She has an event coming up with her Smart Black and Funny platform. It's a virtual event happening June 19th. The tickets go on sale on June 15th. So you can probably go to her Instagram. It's at Amanda Seals to get more information for that. She also has a link in her bio that has like petitions and organizations that you can donate to. So I'm, I'm very happy that she's uplifting that. The second person is Kendrick Sampson. He plays Nathan. He does an excellent job. He founded Build Power. It's actually without the vowel, so it's B-L-D-P-W-R. And they engage in culture, education, and activism to build and train an inclusive community of entertainers and athletes to advance radical social change. So he's doing a lot with that organization. He's also out there in the streets protesting, pushing for policy changes. So... 
really excited um, about what he's doing and it's probably another reason why I'm very attracted to him because that is right up my alley. Uh, another show. I did notice huh? that you featured two light skins <laughs> at the end. Hold okay. up a second. I'm starting to see <laughs> a pattern. Let me get through this show. Let me get through this show. I'm Look, as a light skin person, I do try to be very aware of colorism and not <laughs> not be like mm-hmm. that because colorism is real. Can it, Real quick on Amanda Seals, do you realize she's been like in our lives for almost 30 years? Like, Because I remember her from Nickelodeon, My Brother and Me. Do you remember that show? I do remember the show, but I wouldn't have guessed that was her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remembered. I've, I've, she's been like around, and I, I just remember, like, where have I seen her? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was my brother. I remember her doing like shows on VH1, like those, mm-hmm. like those type of shows. Mm-hmm. And kudos for her for leaving the real. For, because she she says she wasn't doing it just for the money. And she wants a different platform. Kudos to her. Um, moving on, last week I said I was going to watch a show called Blood and Water that's on Netflix. I finished it. It's six episodes long 50 minutes it's based out of cape town south africa and this is a very excellent show i loved it i hope we get a second season it's um how can i put it it's kind of like a high school drama but the main character her sister was kidnapped as a baby and she thinks she's found her sister so you have that storyline and then you sprinkle in high school drama. It's very good. I recommend it. Like, please watch it. My next watch is going to be The Eddie. It's E-D-D-Y. It has Amanda Steinberg and Andre Holland. You know, um, Amanda Steinberg is always down for the cause. So I definitely want to support her. Andre Holland was one of the adult characters in Moonlight. That's why I recognize him from the most. So, stick with me next week and see how that show goes. I want to move on to movies. And that's uh, not necessarily actual movies, but I want to highlight a particular, perfect two people. John Boyega. He has been out here on his lives cussing racist people out, on Twitter cussing people out. He's been at protests. And I just want to uplift him and his work. On Netflix, he's in a movie called Imperial Dreams. Q, I don't think that you would particularly care. I think you'll watch it, but it's he just got out of jail, and he's basically trying to get on his feet. And I think it's very realistic. Um, I kind of have a background in, in working with people that are have been incarcerated. So it's very realistic on how hard it is to get back on your feet when you get out of jail. He's also involved in a docuseries called They Gotta Have Us. It's three episodes long, and it focuses on the history of, like, black people within the entertainment industry. I think it's very informative. It highlights all the way from Birth of a Nation, when black people weren't even allowed in movies. It was white people in blackface. All the way up until talking about Black Panther. And they also include the discussion on black British actors having American roles. A a debate that I was uncomfortable with. I kind of don't believe in that, but... Um, I think it was good. He also just got a Netflix deal earlier this year for West and East African non-English films. So I'm assuming Netflix is, is being very intentional about including African films in uh, on their platform. Because I've noticed a, in, an influx of them on my um, page. But on Hulu, um, John Boyega is in Detroit 
I personally don't recommend watching this right now because it'll make you upset. I um, I actually didn't watch all of it. Once I realized it was based on a true story and I Googled it, I just fast forward to the end because I didn't want to watch all that. And also on Amazon, I think it's very first movie. It's called Attack the Block and that's a British film. I haven't watched it, but I plan on adding it to my list of things to watch. Um, the next person I want to talk about is Viola Davis. Always down. She's not light skin cute. Hmm. At all. And she's beautiful. I love. And she showcases her beauty on How to Get Away with Murder, which is on Netflix. I hate that we missed um, talking about the last season because I thought it was excellent. I was very happy with the way it ended. I was very satisfied. So I'm pretty sure that last season will um, end up on Netflix pretty soon. So there's also Lila and Eve, to be honest. I didn't care for that movie too much. But it also has Jennifer Lopez in it. So if you're a fan, by all means, go for it. And they just recently added The Help. I saw people criticizing that. Um, I think there was a spike in Great Hype, White Hope movies um, lately. So like uh, Remember the Titans, The Help, anything where like the white person's the hero. Green Book. I'm yeah, not watching White Guilt movies. Yeah, so... Um, I think black people watch it just for like Minnie and the shit pie. So, by all means, it's there. Um, I also watched Catching Feelings, which is another um, movie from South Africa. It was based out of Johannesburg. And it has Pearl Tusi in it. I hope I'm saying her last name right. She's the main character in Queen Sono, which is like a spy series that's also on Netflix. Which was a great show. Catching Feel- Feelings is like a dry comedy. I enjoyed it, if that's your thing. It also features Kagiso Ladiga. He wrote it. He, I think he directed it too. So this is his baby. I really enjoyed this film. So I think you should give it a watch. And it's based off like a married couple and another author. A more popular author. Because the husband is an author. Comes in and kind of changes the dynamic but and one more person well it's not movies but i want to shoot over to youtube for um to uplift one person if you're into makeup then you already know her it's jackie Ina. she is the nigerian goddess she is amazing she just recently posted on instagram she amplified the pull up or shut up campaign by Uma Beauty's founder, Sharon Shooter. And it's a call for brands um, that posted like BLM solidarity posts to release the number of black employees in their corporate and executive levels. And the call is for consumers to not purchase from brands that do not offer that info. As far as I know, only like maybe two or three companies I've seen so far has done that. But hopefully more people are more transparent about the employees at their um, corporate and executive levels. And I don't have too much about music. Um, The only project that came out that I listened to was Freddie Gibbs and The Alchemist, Alfredo, which I really love Freddie Gibbs. He has a great personality. He's from... He's from Gary, Indiana, if I'm not mistaken. But he's he lives on the West Coast. Um, standout tracks to me 
um, Scotty Bean, which is based off uh, the influencer and host. She's beautiful. Love her. I think it really showcases what I like about Rick Ross. There's another song. I think it's, it's not called All of Me, but that's the chorus of it. And then there's another song that features Tyler, the Creator, that's on the album. So I think that you should take a listen. It's a, like a, if you smoke, just sit back and listen to it and smoke. I don't smoke. I just really enjoy um, Freddie Gibbs. And as always, I want to include a female MC. So the song that I'm going to um, recommend this week is Mulatto Bitch from the South. She's from Atlanta. She's a young woman. I know the name is controversial, but she she's not changing it. She's let us know. But um, give that song a listen. I really enjoy it. Don't listen to the remix because I don't like it. But stick with the original. Did you say the song name? Yes, Bitch from the South. Oh. <laughs> I don't think you said that because I, I think I would have heard that first. Uh, I, oh, I'm sorry. Mulatto, Bitch from the South. Don't listen to the remake. It has Trina and Sweetie. I don't just care for it. but Not because of what Trina did, but I didn't like her verse and I didn't. I don't think Sweetie should have been on the song. So, and lastly, we have our first book recommendation. We're going to see, talk about, it's Michael Arsenault's I Don't Want to Die Poor. Have you started reading it? Yeah, I actually just finished it. Um, and Michael Arsenault also wrote I Can't Date Jesus. Um, but I Don't Want to Die Poor. I chose that book for this episode since we are in Pride Month. Uh, Michael Arsenault describes in this book about what it's like to grow up uh, being a black gay man in this country and also how crippling um, student loan debt has been to someone, uh, basically how it affects black people. Um, You know, especially someone like him who's a freelance writer and isn't in um, the media uh, uh, profession. So it's a a fascinating read. Um, I I wholeheartedly recommend it. I haven't read, um, I don't, uh, excuse me, I Can't Date Jesus, uh, but that was kind of the book about talking about how he came out. Um, it, It was a fantastic uh, uh, I Don't Want to Die Poor is a fantastic book, and I, I highly recommend it. Okay, so now it's time to head on to the last part, which is Black Women Make History too. And in the spirit of uplifting um, entertainers that or people with large platforms that have used their influence to highlight the black community and push um, our efforts forward. I want to talk about Ruby D. She was an actress. She was born in Ohio in 1922. She was actually the first African American to have a lead role at the American Shakespeare Festival. During her time in her career, she was a member of the Congress of Racial Equality, known as CORE, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, also known as SNCC, and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, better known as the SCLC. After the assassination of Malcolm X, she helped to raise money to help Betty Shabazz because she had fallen on hard times. And in 1995, she actually received the National Medal of Arts, which is the highest honor given to artists. 
So I want to give her a shout out because we should also and always acknowledge the people that came before us because not only did they create the path for us, especially in the entertainment industry, they did that while facing overt racism that we, I mean, we deal with it now, but it was like super in your face back then. We couldn't imagine what they dealt with. So I know like now a lot of people are saying, you know, we are not our ancestors. We are not our grandparents. But I think it was cute at first. But now I think that we should acknowledge them, respect them for the things that they have done and the the strides that they made for us to get to where we are today. All right. So that's the second episode of the Black Content Corner. I hope to see you all next week. Bye. Peace.